Amen. Well, I hope you guys had an amazing uh, July 4th weekend, and uh, many of you guys probably have uh, planned maybe even some time before that to, to think about how do I maximize this weekend, because it probably doesn't come around every week and, and every month, and so, um, you know, maybe you caught yourself last month thinking about places to go, people to see, uh, maybe checking on flights or Airbnbs, and uh, there's something about holidays, and there's something about the, the summer season that kind of uh, pulls us into this direction of, like, rest and, and recreation, right? Right? And I think that's probably the reason why we love holidays so much. It's because it kind of gives us this excuse. It gives us this uh, opportunity to, to detach uh, from the very things that have occupied and consumed our lives uh, for so much of the week. It, it causes us to detach from, uh, you know, all of our emails and projects and deadlines and meetings. And it allows us space. It allows us to have a day or a weekend uh, to just enjoy Enjoy a day of God's creation. Uh, enjoy a day with your family, with loved ones, to enjoy a day even with God, right? And so um, I think it shows us that, that um, every person in this room, what brings us together is that we are all created for rest. See, while our eyes are open, there's a lot of things that actually are different about you and I and probably around the people around you because our weeks look very different, right? Maybe on the outside we look kind of the same, but uh, our weeks are very different. The, the work that you do is probably different from the person uh, that does work next to you. The, the work is different. Your careers are different. Um, what you produce throughout the week is different. Your views are different. Uh, some of us, the way we view God and um, the way maybe even we view Sabbath is probably different different but you know what brings us together and what we have in common is this that at the end of the day we all close our eyes see when our eyes are open there's a lot of differences we have but when our eyes are closed we all look the same and what I mean by that is at the end of the day we all need sleep amen at least by myself we all need sleep and and we all need rest. And this is not a suggestion just for those that are overly tired. This is a human necessity, right? This is a, a physical human need. It's not just for those that are physically weak. It's not just for those that just had a stressful month. It's sleep and rest is an absolute necessity for every single day of our lives. And so I think it seems fitting for us. Um, during the summer season, as summer is officially here, and, and maybe even this holiday weekend, we wanted to launch a short sermon series, a three-week sermon series uh, about this topic of Sabbath. And the tagline is simply, where do you find your rest? Where do you find your rest? In scriptures, uh, Sabbath was not exactly a holiday. Uh, the Bible calls it a, a holy day. And we're going to learn about that today in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I think one of the first things that we need to do is, is talk about what Sabbath is. What is Sabbath and, and what is it not because there are some misunderstandings of what Sabbath is. We'll talk also about why Sabbath is so important. Why is it mentioned kind of throughout all different places of Scripture. And lastly, how do we actually experience Sabbath? How do we experience it? Um, so we'll, we'll talk about first, we'll first talk about what Sabbath is. The, sa the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word, you know, Shabbat, and what it really means is to, to cease or to stop or, or simply to rest. And the misconceptions about Sabbath, or, uh, Sabbath though, are, um, I, I think even for people that have kind of grown up in the church, hearing the word Sabbath here and there, I think we oftentimes uh, 
don't know what Sabbath was really about and, and don't know what Sabbath actually is for us today. One of the misconceptions of Sabbath is that it seems to be just a day off. A day off where if we are working people or if we have a, a, a business and we just on Sundays or one, one day a week, we just don't open shop. It's just a day off. It's just what Christians do. Uh, another misconception is that we just make it uh, simply about, uh, about a physical rest um, rather than a spiritual rest. And so we make it about relaxing, you know, uh, having like a daycation, having a bubble bath, do something energizing, you know, uh, uh, not checking emails, taking a break. And there's elements of that in Sabbath, but it's not the whole. Sabbath could also be misunderstood as just the day that we go to church. Oh, it's just what Christians do. It's just, you know, it's just the day where, uh, you know, you, you have church service and you go to church. It could also become this... Um, external kind of legalistic duty that we have where maybe because we grew up in a family where you're supposed to keep the sabbath day uh, a certain way uh, sometimes when we don't practice it you might even experience some guilt because uh, because you feel like it's another christian duty and something that you have to do in order to somehow please god or somehow to 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 get god's approval which is kind of the, the opposite of what sabbath really is it's to actually help us to stop from striving and and to receive god's given approval over us because of christ so it can become this like legalistic duty or it can become this tradition that we just uphold because this is, the, this is what my grandmother taught me or my, my grandfather taught me, a tradition that we uphold. Sabbath involves physical rest, but ultimately it's a spiritual rest, a spiritual rest. There's a guy named uh, Pastor Tim Keller from New York, and he talks about um, how you measure one's um, quality of sleep not by how long they slept, but, but how deep they are in into this thing called REM. You guys have heard of this? Uh, the rapid eye movement. And so he talks about how, um, how, how, how one's sleep, uh, how the quality of it is not by how long you slept, you know, whether it be 10 plus hours, but, but really determined by the depth of your sleep measured by this thing called REM. And so REM determines how well you've actually rested. Pastor Tim Keller, then he says, he, he translates that into uh, church life, and he says, Sabbath is the, the REM of the soul. He says, it's this deep rest that we get in our soul, right? You know, the soul is kind of, you know, we're, we're more than just a physical being. We're, we, we have an emotional being. We have a mental, psychological being. We have a spiritual being. And kind of the soul is a place where the, the, inner, the inner you, where there are anxieties and stresses and burdens of life. And, and you can't go to sleep because of all these things that are inside you, the turmoil inside your own heart. And so Sabbath is this REM of the soul, a deep rest for the soul. And he actually argues that this is, a, this is the evidence of our faith, that this is how you know you belong to God because, because your rest doesn't come from your work. Your rest comes from someone else. It comes from the work that's been done on your behalf. It comes from God. Here this text so the Sabbath is a day to keep holy, uh, a day unto the Lord. And so here's, here's a working definition for us, at least for today. Sabbath is a, a weekly rhythm of rest with the purpose of renewing our worship to the Lord. So there's a lot of important components to that, that Sabbath is a, is a weekly rhythm. There's a pace to life. 
There, there's kind of this dance that God wants us to dance, right? And when those are out of sync, then life is not good, and there's, there's all this turmoil in our own soul. But it's a weekly rhythm of rest with the purpose of renewing our worship to the Lord. So Sabbath was a rhythm. It was a weekly rhythm in which there was a day in your week that looked very different from every other day throughout that week. Because six days for the Israelites, they would work. And then on the other day called the Sabbath, they were able to cease. They were able to stop. They were able to rest from their work. It was, it was different. It was a different rhythm than the other six days. You see, we all have rhythms in life. We all have a pace in life. Some of us, I think we have a pretty good rhythm. We have a good pace. And because of that, we sense that there's a, there's a sense of flourishing in our life. You know, we, we're enjoying what we do. We're having a, a, a good relationship with God and good relationship with others, and, and life is good. But I think most of us would say, and maybe at times this is all of us, that at times there's, there's times in our life when we're not in rhythm with God and we're out of sync. And we all have this pace, but, but these, this pace needs to be checked because when this pace and this rhythm is unchecked, we often let our pace rob us of our peace. Because peace doesn't come when all the circumstances in life are all lined up. Peace, peace comes from your soul having a deep rest with God. Sabbath was important because especially if you think about our day and our culture and living in the city, it allows us to slow down in a world that says speed up. In a world that celebrates productivity and, and climbing the ladder and making a name for yourself. It says, find your rest in God. Sabbath is a means to find peace in a world that says, prove. We find ourselves working and in relationships and, and doing things that we do because we're often trying to prove things to people to try to get something from them, to try to get something from it. And there's no peace because we're not finding our true rest in God. So Sabbath is a day in which we detach from the usual work and, and replace that work with activity that actually renews our worship back to God. And so Sabbath is simply this. It's a day that looks very different from the other days because you're ceasing from work, you're resting from work, but there's an intentionality going into that in which the intention is to turn your attention back to God. And it doesn't mean that you can't do that while you're working, but there is no other day like Sabbath in which you can spend the whole day in which you are entering that day and you are exiting that day saying, I'm giving my full attention to God. Some of us might think, man, uh, that sounds incredibly boring because that sounds like I, I just, I just kind of get lazy in a corner and read my Bible and pray all day. And I'm telling you, if that's the activity that draws you near to God, then, then go for it. But Sabbath is not about... This, this license to be lazy. Sabbath is not a license to just let go of all of your responsibilities. It's replacing your normal week-to-week -week work activity with something else that actually draws you into the presence of God. It's a weekly rhythm to get us to say, He's God, not me. He is sufficient, not my work. He is my provision, not my financial savings. It's a, it's a way to renew all of our attention back to God. It was a gift from God because God knows how we get. Because God knows how we drift. 
And so it was a weekly rhythm to get our attention back to God. There's a, a commentator, a scholar by the name of Douglas Stewart. He's really kind of framed my uh, understanding of Sabbath. And here's what he says about Sabbath. He said, he said, God first became our model for Sabbath. He says, creation account, and talking about Genesis 2, describes six days of labor and one day of rest. Sabbath is not portrayed as a day of recuperation for uh, those too weak to keep working day after day without rest. It is portrayed rather as a stoppage good for everyone for the purpose of refocusing on holiness about belonging to God in order to enjoy God's blessings of that day and of its potential. Sabbath is designed to help people become spiritually stronger and closer to God. You might ask the question, does Sabbath mean that I can't do anything? And what if I'm a parent? I, I get this question um, uh, when we talk about Sabbath from parents and, and, and me, you know, being a parent myself, I understand the, the challenges of this where you feel like you have a hard time getting away or you feel like that, that uh, somehow Sabbath is only supposed to be about you and God. It's actually very communal. It was for the Jews, for the Israelites. But what if I'm a parent and, and what, if, what if my kind of day off of work is the only day I can get errands done and laundry done and it's the only day I can go to the market? Does that mean I'm breaking the Sabbath somehow? And I want to go on and read what Douglas Stewart says here. It says, this commandment does not prohibit any sort of exertion uh, or the preparing of food or the feeding or watering of animals or anything else necessary to get through the day in an agrarian culture. Rather, it prohibits duplicating on the Sabbath any of the usual labors of the other six days that can possibly be stopped without actually causing someone or something harm. And he's talking about the culture here. He says, people and animals would still need to be fed. Lactating animals would still need, need to be milked. Just thought you, you needed to know that. Um, but to the extent possible, all workers were to receive a day of rest. He says, the change the Sabbath brings about in one's weekly routine makes it a refreshing day rather than the absence of activity therein. Indeed, one whose weekly work was essentially a desk job might be more active physically on the Sabbath than at any other time and still completely fulfill its obligations regarding the cessation of labor. So what he's, what he's essentially saying here is that Sabbath doesn't mean that you just, it's just a day to veg out and, uh, and just do, don't, don't do anything because you, that's your obligation. In fact, what he's saying is, no, no, if, if you, by you just resting and just being still and quiet and, and really not exerting energy, if that's a way for you to draw near to God, then so be it. That's awesome. Then that is Sabbath for you. But for some of us, one Jewish um, rabbi said it like this, that, that if we work with our minds, which a lot of pastors do, then you should Sabbath with your hands. Meaning do something physical, do something that engages the whole body. Because somehow in that, there's something about even physical activity that actually draws you near to God. Believe it or not, because I grew up playing golf, when I go to the golf course by myself and I'm just practicing and enjoying the trees away from the buildings and the city, there's something about it that actually gives me rest. I may not even be hitting the golf ball right. There's something about being in that peaceful, just environment where it's just me and God and in between shots I can just talk to God I can think more clearly it does something to my soul I'm not saying that's everyone because you might need a Sabbath from golf if, if you know if that's not for you but for me that physical activity has become a Sabbath and so what this is saying is 
is Sabbath doesn't mean that you don't do anything. Sabbath means that it should look different from the rest of the week, but to replace that with an activity that draws you to the presence of God. What a beautiful thing and a gift that is from a God who loves us so much that he wants to keep us close. You get, do you guys see that? That he doesn't want us to drift and he doesn't want us to make work our, our God. He doesn't want us to make our, our savings our God. He doesn't want us to make any human relationship our God. He doesn't want us to make marriage our God. He, and so he establishes this new rhythm for the people of God in which one day a week just rest and cease from all the work and, and do something with God and draw all your attention to God. Why? Because he wants us to know how much he loves us. He wants us to know that he's still God. He wants us to know that he's still in control even when our work is out of control. He wants us to know who he is and how much he he loves us. I think this commandment is so important because um, look at the context here in Exodus chapter 20. this, this, This call and command to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, is actually part of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 when God is speaking to Moses and Moses is speaking to the people of God, to Israel. He's giving this, these Ten Commandments and, and he's giving that to them. And, and the first three, if you look at them, is pretty intense. If you think about how God is establishing how, how this relationship is going to work, he's saying the first one is do not have any other gods. It's like when you get married, it's like you shall have no other spouses, right? To husbands, you shall have no other wives. This is your wife, your one and only wife, right? You shall have no other gods. And it says in second one is, you know, you shall have no other idols. That's pretty important. Number three is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Do not use his name in vain. That's pretty important. And then the fourth one, it's almost like how did that one get, get in there? It's like, you know, no other gods, no, no idols. Do not take his name in vain and then take a day off. And then, like, after that, it's like, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not covet, you know, all these things. And you're wondering, how did that one get, get in there? You might, you might even think that's, that, that's kind of, you know, maybe that's what the Israelites wanted from God. Maybe they wanted to suggest, hey, God, the first three are kind of intense. Can we suggest the commandment here? You know, like, the, these, these first three are pretty heavy. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to keep this every single day of my life. Can we at least get one day a week where we get a break? Can, you, can, you, can we have this thing called the Sabbath? And, and I want to suggest to you that this wasn't... The idea of the Israelites, this is God's idea. This is God's command. This is God's gift. He's saying to the people of Israel, once a week, cease from your work. You know why that's so important? Because when God is writing this particular commandment and all these commandments, you have to understand that these were people who were ex-slaves. They had just left Egypt. They had just left slavery. They were slaves for 400 years, people who knew no rest. They had become a people of constant work, constantly producing. They never got a weekend. They never got a holiday. They never got a summer off. They don't know what a vacation is. They've never heard what a staycation. They don't know what that is. All they knew is that their lives were centered 
on and revolved around do, do, do. And in Exodus 20, when God is saying, take a Sabbath, he's saying, now I'm going to reframe how your life will work. Your life will no longer be centered around do, do, do. Now your life will be about done, done, done. What he's saying is God has done something on their behalf. They don't have to keep working because God has already done the work. He's saying now you can actually rest. You can rest because God has done the work. And I think if we don't know how to rest, I think we're trying to play God. We're trying to be in control. That's why the gospel is so important to know that there is a work that's been done on our behalf that we could never do in our own strength. And because of God's work, we can rest. These are people who for 400 years, all they knew was work. All they knew was do. And God says, my people will be marked by done. It's done. Slaves would live by works, not by grace. So Sabbath was a means by which they can now live by grace and not by works. See, Sabbath, if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four, all scholars would say, the first four are actually directly related between Israel and God. Do not have other gods, do not have other idols, do not use my name in vain, and then take a Sabbath. That commandment is actually directly uh, related to how we relate with God. Why? Because when we Sabbath, we renew our worship to God. We remember who he is. We remember that he is God, not us. We remember that it was Yahweh that brought the, the Israelites out of slavery, not themselves. And so Sabbath has incredible uh, implications on our relationship with God. It makes us ask the question every single week, who's really in control of our lives? See, when we have a hard time resting and ceasing from work, when we cannot seem to resist the temptation to keep checking our emails and keep producing Who's really in control? What do we believe about God? See, if we cannot Sabbath, we have to ask the question, why? If we have a hard time practicing Sabbath, then what is it that we're not free from? What is it that we're not free from? See, underlying our inability to Sabbath are these competing values, competing commitments. I would even say idols, that are in control of our lives when we didn't even give them permission to do so. See, somehow, if we don't know how to Sabbath, work has become our God when we didn't even give that work permission to be our God. Does that make sense? We have, we have let marriage become our God and become our idol when we didn't even give it permission to. Why? Simply because we have failed to take time throughout the week to remember who God really is. See, what happens if, if I as a pastor, if, if every pastor, if we don't Sabbath, if we don't Sabbath, then my work stops to be a form of worship to God and it actually becomes the object of worship. See, my pastoral work and preaching and praying and studying the word and 
shepherding people and all these things, it's actually a, an expression of my love for Jesus. It's an expression of worship to God. I do all things to the glory of God. But what happens if I don't Sabbath is that even pastoral ministry, even pastoral work becomes no longer my form of worship but it becomes my object of worship. And then I get into this place where I have to gain approval and recognition and feel joy from work that I do. And how sad is that? That my joy is dependent on something that changes week to week. Where my rest is dependent on people's feedback from my sermons. How sad would that be? But praise be to God that my joy And my rest doesn't come from things that are constantly changing, but comes from the one who is unchanging, from the one who is constant, who is the one who is my rock, the one who holds all things together. Sabbath is a way in which we not only recognize idols in our life, but to be free from them so that these don't become our object of worship, but so that when you go back to work tomorrow, not to give you stress, when you go back to your projects and your deadlines and your meetings, so that that doesn't become your object of worship, so that you're not trying to prove anything, amen? That you're not trying to beat people out of something. That you go back to work with such joy and confidence and excellence because you've already been approved because of God in Christ. And there's joy and And that Sabbath is renewing your strength and renewing your mind and renewing your heart so that when you go back into the office, you've got a fresh perspective. You see, the Jews, when they observed Sabbath, it wasn't just the end of a week. It was the beginning of a week. It wasn't just the time in which they they kind of relaxed from all their work. It was a day in which they were renewed for the work ahead. How awesome would that be for the church, for the people of God, when Monday, when for most people it's the worst day of the week, It's one of the best days for the church because they've been in the presence of God and they go back to work to the glory of God. Sabbath is this incredible gift and some of us might say, but but if I don't get this done and if I don't work on that, you ever been there? But, you know, James, you don't understand. I, I just can't take that. I just can't do it once a week. I can't. Because if I just don't get that done or if I don't work on that or if I don't check my emails and, and we all have all these things. And I think Sabbath is a beautiful reminder that we are not God. But there is one who is. It's a beautiful reminder that there is one who is still moving things forward and it's not us. It's a beautiful reminder to realize the reality that my life in the kingdom of God that here on earth, that I and you, we, with the church, we are not alone. Everything doesn't depend on me or us. Things don't always have to happen my way. That God is with me. God is helping me. And God is working all things together for my good and for his glory. Amen. Sabbath is beautiful. And when we don't even know that we need rest, God invites us to it. God knows us so well, like a father that knows his children more than the child knows himself. It says in Psalm 23 that the shepherd, our Lord, he makes us lie down. He makes us rest. He gives us rest. 
And I think Scripture is pointing to the reality that He is our rest, that Jesus is our rest. And, and so I would say that the most important thing about Sabbath is this, that the Sabbath actually brings us back to the gospel. The Sabbath brings us back to the presence of Jesus. It teaches us not only to have rest, but to see where true rest comes from. That rest for us doesn't come in anything material, amen? That rest doesn't come from how much is in our savings. Rest doesn't come from what we're trying to produce and what we're striving for. It teaches us that rest, true rest, comes from someone, not something. It brings us to Jesus. So if there's, any, if there's anything that you hear from my message today, it's this. Sabbath was not about experiencing the absence of work. It was about experiencing the presence of God. Some of us may, sing, may say, man, I love this message because I'm all about taking a day off. Before you get too happy about that, I want you to know that just because you turn your phone off doesn't necessarily make it holy. See, what makes it holy is not just because you went to church or you have a Bible in front of you. What makes it holy is that you turn your phone off, you detached from one thing, because you want to draw your attention to someone. And you want, whether it's, whether it's wrestling with your kids or having a feast with your family or taking a walk in the park, you've decided that on this day, my attention is going to be on Jesus. So Sabbath was not just about experiencing the absence of work, which we love, but it's about experiencing the presence of God, which we need. Sabbath is our weekly reminder of where our ultimate rest comes from. It points us, it points us to Jesus. You see, guys, when this particular commandment, the fourth commandment and the ten commandments were given in the, in the book of Exodus, I want you to notice that this is Exodus chapter 20. What that means is that this particular context here is that the, the Israelites... <clears throat> had once been in slavery, they were in slavery, and God, in his goodness, heard the cries of his people and brought Moses, raised up a leader named Moses, and Moses, I've heard the cries of my people, I've seen them in slavery, and my people are called to be free. So Moses, go and lead the people out of Egypt, lead them out of slavery. The Ten Commandments were not given as prerequisites uh, to become free. It wasn't as if God saying, hey guys, look, if you obey these 10 things, then I'll do something for you. See, I want you to know that even in the book of Exodus, that the good news came first, that the gr that grace came first before the command. That God was saying, I'm going to free you anyway. I'm going to free you because I, I care for you because you are my people. And so God delivers them through Moses and, and they're struggling with Pharaoh and all these things. And yet God sends uh, all these miraculous signs and wonders, not because Israelites have earned credit for it. It's not like, hey, God, it's about time. You owe us a miracle here. It just out of God's goodness and his grace and his power he would allow people to be free in a, in a miraculous way. And one of the ways in which they were fully released is when the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost of the Israelites' home. The day in which Israelite boys were, were to be slaughtered and killed to remove them from the face of the earth, there was 
There was the blood of the lamb on the doorpost that allowed the soldiers of Egypt to pass on over so that no longer did they have to die, but now they get to live. And so they celebrate that called the Passover because of the blood of the lamb. And as they're going, they're, the people are being set free. And, and, and then, you know, Pharaoh has a change of heart. And, and they, they come across the Red Sea. And what God does is incredible. He parts the Red Sea. And the people of God are now given a, a way to, to walk through waters that could never be parted by man. And those who walk through will be free. Those who walk through the sea will be saved. And what's incredible is that you fast forward and you start to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You come to the Gospels and you see that, that the people are still in slavery. And it's not just because of their work, it's because of their sin. And it's not just Israel, it's Gentile. And so this time in the Gospels, what, what God the Father does is he doesn't send Moses again, he sends a greater Moses. He sends a better Moses. He doesn't send Joshua, he sends Jesus This time, God the Father sends his only son, Jesus, and says, Jesus, now you will lead my people out of slavery into freedom. And Jesus doesn't go around finding a little lamb and to hang him on the cross. Jesus becomes the lamb. He becomes the lamb of God. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his blood, people were set free. This time, no longer just Israel. This time, Gentile. This time, all nations and all people and every people of color. And all who come through the cross, just like the Red Sea was parted, because of the cross, God tore the veil that separated man from God. And now if you come to the cross, you can know the Father. If you come to Jesus, you can know the Father. And those who know the Father are those who are free. Because you're no longer a slave, but now you're a son. And now you're a child. So Sabbath is this. This, this weekly reminder that the Father sent his own son for me so that I can have rest, so that I can take all of my life's burdens, my stresses, my anxieties, all of my weaknesses, all of my things that keep me up and I, things that I feel like I have to prove, I can, I can put all of that down, all of the bricks down and all the weight down, and I can put it at the foot of the cross. Why? Because he took it all from me. I can rest because of his finished work. I want you guys to notice something about, about Sabbath and about rest. Is that when you see rest, you will also see something else about God. I want you to notice when does God rest? When does he call people to rest? I want you to see Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 through 3 on the screen. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Notice when does God rest? Does God rest in in between work? Does God rest when there is unfinished work? No, what Genesis 2 says is that God rested when his work was what? Finished. That word comes up twice, doesn't it? When there is finished work, 
God rested. When there is finished work, God rested. You know why we can't rest? Because we always feel like there's unfinished work. But for God, when there was finished work, we can rest. Now watch this. John chapter 19. This is Jesus on the cross. I want you to notice something here. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now what? Finished. Set to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, what? It is finished. Twice. Again. Then when Jesus says it is finished, it says he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In Genesis, when God rested, there was finished work. On the cross, God God's only son says, it is finished. And I just want to tell you that there is no rest apart from finished work. And this finished work is not talking about your work. It's talking about God's work. You see, when God's work is finished, then there's rest for his people. You may not feel like it right now. You may not feel like it's finished. But on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. The reason why he's calling us to rest and say, he's not saying take six days off. And work one day. But the reason why he says you can work six days and rest one day is because he's saying there is a work that's finished on your behalf. A finished work for your soul. See, in Genesis, there was a creation work and he finished and he rested. In the Gospel of John, there was a recreation work and he finished. And he calls us to rest. You see, we can rest because he finished the work. And this Sabbath that we have on earth is actually never fully complete. Why? Because the rest and Sabbath we have on earth is a signpost to a heavenly, eternal rest that we will experience with God in the presence of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8 says, For if Joshua had given them the rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest. He's talking about now an eternal Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And so on the day that we cease from work and we look at God and we spend time with God and with the people that God has brought us into our lives and to disconnect from all the things that can easily become God just to bring us to the presence of Jesus, it's also in that moment we remember to live in light of eternity, not in light of temporary. We live that day saying there is a day when we will have full rest, amen? There is a day and God is pointing us and every day we are closer and closer to it but there is a day when our eyes will finally close and on that day it's not storms, it's not turmoil on that day. It's final rest because we will be in the presence of God. Church, may you see how beautiful Sabbath is May you see Sabbath is that it's not just a command, but a gift from God to his people. And I want to just 
tackle this last part of, of how do we actually practice it? How do we enter Sabbath? How do we experience Sabbath? I think the scriptures gives us a lot of freedom. And again, it's, the Bible doesn't teach the Christian to be legalistic about it or to feel guilty when it's not done. And I think it's fleshed out in very different ways for every individual. But here are some basic foundational principles, I think, and practices for Sabbath. And first, I think it's this. You have to have a weekly rhythm in which you are receiving the gospel. Have a weekly rhythm in which, in which we know that we are not God, but He is. A weekly rhythm in which we remind ourselves of how much He loves us and how we are under His sovereign care and how He is enough for us. But to get more practical, I would say be intentional about making Sunday worship a time of rest for you. It doesn't mean, again, that you can't do praise team stuff or serve. It doesn't mean that you can't exert energy at church. But it means that as you do it, do it with the intention of drawing closer to Jesus. And, and to make sure that when you enter Sunday worship, you do it with a mindset that, that you're drawing to Jesus and you're not just going to church. But you're drawing to Jesus with the people of God to remember that apart from Jesus, there is no rest. And then I would say to be even more practical, detach from all ordinary work that consumed the other six days. Detach from emails and meetings and planning and et cetera, and replace that work with activity that draws you closer to Jesus. Again, don't be legalistic. If you're a parent and you say, man, I can't even find one hour to myself or I can't even find one hour of silence with the family, I would say start small. If it's not once a week, maybe once a month, but, but find a moment, set it on your calendar, make it an intention, make it a thing for you, plan it, put it on your calendar because it's the way God designed for us to flourish. See, even Jesus, he heals on the Sabbath and the Pharisees would ask Jesus, aren't you not supposed to do that? Aren't you not supposed to work at all? And Jesus reminds them that man was not made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Sabbath was to serve man, was to make man whole and flourish, to worship God by enjoying God. So may Sabbath be that for you. I want to close with a, um, a quick story that I think relates to our need for Sabbath and our need for rest. Uh, November 25th, 2016, so just a few years ago, um, it was an important day for my wife and I because it was the day uh, after two years of being in the adoption uh, process, it was the day in which we had booked our flight to, um, from LAX to go to Seoul, Korea to meet our son Benjamin for the very first time in person. We had seen pictures of him, we had got videos of him, but that was the day, November 25th, 2016, where we were going to hop on the plane, a uh, 13-hour flight, and actually go see Benjamin face-to-face. -face. But foolish me, um, I actually double-booked that day and actually had uh, uh, agreed to officiate a wedding on the very same day, right? And, um, and but looking at the, the schedule, the, the wedding was about an hour away from my house, and uh, the airport was another hour away from my house, but I, planned, uh, we, I looked at the, the schedule, and, it, and it, it seemed like I can do it all. I can, I, can, I can go to the wedding, you know, without any stress, officiate the wedding, come back home, get packed, get all my stuff, uh, drive out to LAX, and be ready for an international flight. So, so 
so my plan was. And, and so uh, on that day, I, I got ready for the wedding, and I, I dressed up in a, in a suit, and uh, I drove off. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Rancho Paula's Verdes in California, but just imagine like a real, real nice, rich, upper-class uh, area by the hills and a cliff where the water, you see the water, the Pacific Ocean. I mean, it's just it's beautiful, right, and just beautiful weather. And, and I'm driving out there, and... Um, and, 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 I'm, and I'm trying to get there, you know, before the wedding, you know, a few minutes early, but I'm running a little late. And, and so I get off the freeway, and I'm kind of speeding and trying to get there as fast as I can. Well, about 10 minutes away from the, the wedding site, um, the location, I, I, I'm at a red light, and this, this car pulls up right next to me. And the, the dude, you know, young, young guy, uh, looks at me, and I don't know what he's saying because my windows are up, but he's, like, pointing his finger, and he's, like, doing hand gestures, and he's, like, he looks like he's just yelling at me. And I'm thinking to myself, man, today's not a good day, man, bro. Like, it's, it's not a good day to fight because um, I'm about to go to a wedding. I'm dressed up. I'm going to meet my son later tonight. You know, it's, it's a good, so I'm, going to, I'm just going to resist the devil, right? And, and, uh, and, but, but he kept, kept kind of, you know, making gestures and kept talking to me from his car. And so I finally rolled down my window and he's, he basically pointed to my front, the front part of my car. And he's telling me that my car is smoking from under the hood from where the tires are. And I don't know how I didn't see it. I think my mind was all on the, the wedding and rehearsing my lines and thinking about the flight and thinking about that moment when I got to see Benjamin. And, and so I just didn't see the smoke, and, but it was very clear that my, my car was overheating. And so I pulled over in, in the neighborhood that I don't, know, I don't know who lives there. I don't know if I'm going to get any help, but I'm just really praying, God, send me one of those good Samaritans that are in the Bible and please send me some help. And, and sure enough, by God's grace, within a few minutes, a family came, pulled up right behind me. Like, I've never met them in my life, right? So, so they could have, you know, they could have done something bad to me. But they pulled up right next to me and said, hey, we actually know exactly what you're going through. This happened to us a few weeks ago on a family trip, and uh, we just want to help you out. So they said, you need to leave your car here, let it cool down, go to, the, go to where you need to go, come back later, and, um, and take care of the issue. And uh, so they offered me a ride to the wedding site, the location, and uh, so I you know, hopped in the car, and I'm, like, squished and behind, uh, you know, I'm, like, I'm, like, next to the elderly woman. She's the mom of the driver, the young guy, and, and, um, and, uh, and we're trying to make conversation to a complete stranger. Like, I don't know if you've been in a car as an adult with a complete stranger besides Uber. Like, it's kind of weird, right? And, and so they're, I think they're trying to really connect with me, and at one point, they're, you know, they're a non-Asian family. They asked, you know, oh, you know, what, what ethnicity are you? I said, well, I'm Korean. And their reply was, Oh, I, I listen to Gangnam Style. It's, 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 a, it's like one of the first Korean songs that made it to the States. Semi-popular, I don't know. And I didn't know how to respond. Like, am I supposed to be happy? <laughs> like, oh, yes. Like, now we're family. I don't know, but it was like weird. And I'm like, oh, man, just please take me to the, <laughs> to the wedding. And, um, but they took me, took me there, and I offered to pay for their gas, but they just was so kind, and, uh, and they helped me out. And after the wedding, I had to find a ride back to my car, and called a friend, asked him what to do. He was a technician. He said, put some water, you have water in a water bottle? He said, I said, yeah. I said, put it in your coolant and see if that helps. And that got the car going. And he said, then drive to the auto shop, buy some coolant, put it in your car. And, and I did that. Apparently, there was this crack in the, the coolant container. And by the time I got home, I barely got home. And, and my car was, was steaming again. But I barely got home. And I'm telling you guys, I, I almost missed, uh, I almost made my wife and I missed our flight to see Benjamin um, for the first time. And the reason why I share that story 
is because I think a lot of times that's how we live our lives. See, I was one of those guys that I took care of my car, at least on the outside. I made sure I got car washes, I threw out the trash, and everything on the outside looked perfectly fine. But I never looked under the hood to see what was, what was it that I needed to take care of that I wasn't. I think a lot of us, we live our lives trying to take care of everything on the outside, right? To making sure everything's good on the outside. But when you start to look underneath, you see all the stuff that we've neglected. You see the part of your life, the soul, that actually has not found rest. And see, you're sleeping, but you're not resting. You're taking days off, but you're not resting. You're going on vacations, but you're not finding deep rest. Because that kind of rest is only found in Jesus. And God says, do that weekly. What a beautiful invitation by God to be in the presence of God so that he can show you how much he loves you. St. Augustine once said, our hearts are restless until it finds its rest in thee. Our hearts are restless until it finds its rest in thee. Would you bow your heads with me?